the Blue Bomber Podcast. That is, wow, that's fantastic. I like that. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. The countdown to the Western Final is on. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast, Greg Mackling, along with Derek Taylor, the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Good morning, DT. Good morning. And also joining us on the podcast this morning, Christian Amel, the host of the 680 CJB Sports Show. Christian, good morning, and thanks for taking some time to uh, join us on what's a pretty important week for the Winnipeg Football Club. Well, it's a big honor to be asked to come on. I know I'm not a, a regular contributor like Derek is. It's a once-in-a-while thing, but it must be a big deal if we're doing a three-man show. It must mean one thing. It must mean it's playoff time. Playoff time, and the weather, Derek Taylor, is cooperating maybe a little bit too much? I This is great. Like I, I just think about having the, the window open, the breeze blowing in, it'll only be like two degrees at kickoff. And then how, how gentle this will be on all the players. This will this is great. This isn't maybe what they'd hoped for with you know weather possibly playing to their advantage versus a dome team. But uh, uh, I, I don't I don't know if anybody minds too much. Christian, this weather should allow both offenses to do pretty much everything they've been doing all season, and that's just basically light it up between these two teams. Uh, you could argue these are the most explosive offenses in the country. I think every year when it comes to playoff time, we always start talking about the weather because it's it's inevitably colder, and especially in 2021 when the West Final is in December. And really, it hasn't ever had an impact. Unless it's a, a windy, windy day. If it's just cold, I don't think it really matters. If it's wind, I think that we have another issue on our hands. If it's a, you know snow squalls, but if it's just minus five, I don't think that really matters. It doesn't look like it's even going to be that. It looks like it's going to be around zero or slightly above. So it's going to be a non-factor. And so we can just talk about football. Well, let's do that then. That's why people have uh, tuned in, downloaded, shared, subscribed, et cetera, et cetera, to the podcast over the course of this year. We, we mostly talk about football. We sneak in some other topics from time to time. But let's get right down to brass tacks because we know that the two most important players – Come Saturday evening are going to be Vernon Adams of the Lions and Zach Caleros of the Blue Bombers. And let's start with you, Derek. What did you take away from Vernon Adams' performance against Calgary last Saturday at BC Place Stadium as uh, VA, I'll just editorialize quickly here in my question, looked as good as he's looked uh, in a long time? Yeah, he was great. Like it, that first half was just pass heavy and and let's make it move the ball down the field and Hatcher's open and look at all these receivers running open and you know, you don't have to settle for too many checkdowns. They were really able to get the ball going against Calgary. It it was reminiscent of the first half of that week 18 game against Winnipeg. That one it was 13 of 20 for 252 and you know, oh boy. Look at this BC offense just is is a machine. In this game versus the Week 18 game, they were able to keep that going in the second half, right? Whereas against the Bombers back a few weeks, the Bombers just shut it down. It it was it was a terrific Vernon Adams performance. It's it wasn't perfect, but it was it was as good as he's looked. I mean, this season is the best he's ever played, and it's odd to say that about a guy who's now 30 years old. 
He was really in control in terms of picking and choosing, at least in the first half. And that's the part of the game that I've watched more than once is that first half, Christian. I was very impressed with Vernon Adams in terms of when he decided to run. He ran for two touchdowns in that first half. He wasn't antsy. He wasn't overly necessarily eager or necessarily looking for opportunities to run. He took what was given when he needed to do so. And and even then, I think more often than not, he stuck around in that pocket looking downfield when he decided, yeah, you know what? Uh, there's got to be somebody open on this play. I feel like through the course of his career, especially when he got here in the first place, there was the idea of him as a dual threat quarterback. And that hasn't always necessarily been borne out by what we've seen on the field, right? He actually is more of a pocket passer than I think maybe his reputation would suggest. But one thing that we have seen is that when he actually gets out of the pocket, he's got wheels, he's got athleticism. And what's hampered that this year is multiple times he's been hurt, right? He's had lower body injuries that have made it harder for him to, A, be effective just throwing the ball, but B, give that extra element of the game. And yeah, he gets three rushing touchdowns in this game. They're all fairly short runs, but he also had a 24-yard scramble at one point in the game to, to boost his stats. So this is a player that we know if you can't contain he can make you pay and, and all it takes we saw it in the gray cup last year that one third down or second down conversion chad kelly had with his legs changed that game and, and it, it could come down to just one moment like that where the bombers are up and it's second and 12 and he breaks three for for 15 and that might keep a drive alive and so you have to be aware of that if if for adam is healthy and and can move like we've seen in that Calgary game, if he's he's if he's pretty close to 100%, that's an extra element you got to be wary of if you're the bomber defense. Let's throw some numbers at you. 28 of 39 passing, 413 yards, two touchdowns passing, and Christian, you mentioned three total rushing touchdowns. Led the Lions in rushing, seven carries, 54 yards, and uh, Taquan Mazel, uh, 11 carries for 28 yards, and and. I know how you feel about the running game, DT, and, you know, is the rushing game, uh, um, you know, facilitated by a strong passing game or vice versa? I know where you stand on this, but this really is uh, Brady Oliveira's time of year, at least in the minds of many. Yeah, for sure. And what we saw in the two semifinals was that establishing the run was nothing, absolutely nothing at all. Like, BC does not care to run the football. Is it? The numbers he just had for their starting running back, Taquan Mizell, they're, they're not concerned about it at all. The Montreal game, their win over Hamilton, uh, by the time they'd had a two-score lead, their, their lead back had 31 yards on the ground. That's something like three yards a carry, right? So this, this was about the passing game. If you're going to throw for 400-plus yards, as Vernon was, uh, who, who cares if you can run the football with especially how valuable those yards were? The, the scrambles to get the touchdowns, those are essentially passing plays and not designed runs. The, this, this quarterback sneak is a different kind of run, but kind of apart from the establishing the run that we think of. It's just, it's just not a real big factor at all. Though, these are numbers that, that uh, we'll have in the, in the pregame show. I've got my whole running in November uh, breakdown that makes Doug Brown furious. I can't wait to bring that out on an annual basis. But yeah, if if you can if you can throw it, that this would be the thing. And I think to your point, Greg, 
is the Bombers have two options for how they're going to go out and, and win football games. To me, the Lions have one. If their pass game is shut down, I don't think they have the running back or even slot back run game to that, that could propel them to a win. What do you think, Christian, uh, as we talk about Vernon Adams, his ability to throw and run, Zach Kolaros, we know, probably would like to run. I think he would like to run more than the Bombers would like him to run. He just doesn't run as often as he once did. In fact, it's a, a super rare circumstance that that Caleros takes off. Just talk about what you think the Bombers will be doing in terms of the pass setting up the run or the run setting up the pass. Well, I, I think we're going to see a, a healthy dose of Brady Oliveira. And it is, you know, circumstantial based on the game, but I expect... You know, unless BC's up two scores, I don't think Winnipeg would ever abandon the run. And and just for uh, context sake, Zach Kolaris this year with a whopping 14 carries for 77 yards, but a pair of rushing touchdowns for Zach Kolaris, which is not something we normally see. It's going to be a big part of their game, no doubt about it. And what, you know, you can mention it's cold, whatever, but the Bombers would do the exact same thing in July, whether it's plus 20 or whether it's minus 20, it's going to be a lot of Brady Oliveira. But I, I do believe that for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to win on Saturday, it's going to have to be Kolaris. And, and I do think it all comes down to the quarterback in the end. Yeah, having Oliveira is going to be a huge boost to this team. He's the West MOP for a reason. But Kolaris and that receiving crew that has question marks that we'll get to, it's going to be, I think, the difference maker in this game because you can have, you know, Brady Oliveira have six carries on a 10-play drive, but what do you do with the other four plays, right? Are you connecting on the 25-yard pass to Lawler? Is Nick Dembski getting open down the seam, right? Those are the plays that I think are going to be the difference because you can't hand it off every play. And what I, that, Greg, that's an important point that, that Christian makes about the other plays. The the problem with I mean, running the ball is so so much fun to watch, but It'll, it'll often stick you in second and long situations. And the thing to me that's the strength of the Bombers is that Zach and the passing offense can convert second and 10, second and sevens at a rate equal to or better than any team in the CFL. And that keeps that drive going. And now you can run it again on first down. You can have the highest first down run percentage if you choose to because you're able to convert these second and sevens and second and fives and second and twelves you know, in random cases. Uh, like that. I, I think the the 2022, I think we, we all kind of remember the 2022 West final against these BC Lions. Zach was real loose with the football. There were the interception, there were two more that were dropped by defenders and they went, hey, you know what, let's see if the run game's working. Oh, the run game's really working well and Brady's going to put up 130 yards? Okay, that's how we're going to win this game. To me, they they try to establish the pass to start with and if if BC's you know, if BC's got that to, in their in their defense's favor, all right, well, well, we'll hammer you with Brady and see if you can stop that. And if you can, we'll figure something else out. But we've got these two elite options that that we can go after your defense with. Well, you mentioned defense, and one of the question marks has to do with uh, one of the better players on the BC Lions. And uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, injuries in just a moment as it pertains to the BC Lions. But Christian did open that can of worms with regard to the receiving core of the Blue Bombers. I'm just going to read off uh, four, four names for you, DT, and tell you um, this list feels formidable to me. Keon Hatcher, Javon Katoy. 
Alexander Holland's Dominique Grimes at BC receiving core looks awfully dangerous when they are on. Yeah, the thing that I like about the BC receiving core is like there's a variety of body types and skill sets within it, right? Javon Katoy is a guy who, when he's standing next to an offensive lineman, you go, I kind of can't tell you apart. You're so big. Like he's a massive human. And then you go down to the end of the scale, and there's Lucky Whitehead, who may play some role in this game at 5'10 and 177. So you, you have enormous and you have small and super fast. But then even within these enormous bodies, there's so many different types. Like Justin McInnes runs six foot five, but he's a very lean six foot five. Javon Katoy, I believe, listed at six five, but he's in that 235. You kind of wonder if he's 240 type. Dominic Rimes is is a giant body as well, a big jump ball guy. And you go, okay, well, he's in between those two as far as body types and and strengths. And Keon Hatcher is, I, I wonder if Hatcher goes at 6'2 listed. There's another one. You go, oh, man, Alexander Holland, six feet tall, fast as can be. You go, there are a variety of guys to try to deal with in this receiving core. And to me, the Bombers have had the, the receiving core advantage over every team they've played this year. But if certain players are not 100% or not able to go for the Bombers, I, I this is one of the teams where you go, oh, that 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 you know that that advantage may flip to the BC Lions in this case. Yeah, I'm afraid you might be correct there, DT, and we'll learn more. Uh, Dalton Schoen, I think the three of us probably would consider it a minor miracle if Schoen gets anywhere near the the field on Saturday. Derek, yay or nay on that? I, I'm with you. Uh, practice, they had a practice on Saturday. Uh, there wasn't a ton of offense versus defense, but Dalton was there. He had a pom-pom toque. He was very clearly bundled up as much as he could be, not in uniform, and he was not moving around very quickly. And when you did, you really, you really, oh, okay, well, the boot is gone, but he's still limping quite a bit on that left foot. So, uh, I, I really don't expect that in the practices that the media gets to watch that we'll see shown out there at all. If he tries it in the closed practice, just to see if he's able to go. But I mean, as we're, as we're sitting here talking right now, the game's still four days away. I, I will be very, very surprised if shown is able to play. I would think so. Part of, part of how we don't really know how to answer this question is because we haven't really seen the bombers practice much since he, you know, since we saw that boot in Calgary, right? They've been out there once or twice, but a lot of off days. There's been a closed practice. And so maybe we'll get drips and drabs of information over the next three days. We know that the team isn't usually open about injuries because what sports team is open about injuries in 2023. But what we've seen from Shone, as Derek outlined, the fact that they went out and picked up a veteran like Marky Thambles to put on their practice mm-hmm. roster would suggest that you have a thought of we might actually need this guy to play perhaps uh, we want some a, a pretty nice insurance policy slash backup plan here would suggest if you want to read into it that you know, maybe Rashid Bailey will be okay but Dalton Jones uh, body of work will need to be filled in for you mentioned Ambles how is there an advantage potentially for having a guy slide in obviously it's not the ideal circumstance but he hasn't worked with this offense also not ideal however that means BC doesn't necessarily have any film on him in terms of what he might be able to do with this offense Christian right i 
Marquis Thambles is not going to be the reason the Bombers win or lose the West Final on Saturday. Uh, they have a lot of other players that are very, very good at catching the football, right? With Kenny Lawler, uh, Nick Dembski, Rashid Bailey, Drew Wolitarski. It's a, you know, it's a, a potential fifth option. Yeah, Dalton Schoen is so good, and, and Marquis Thambles is not that. He's not Dalton Schoen. He's a very competent player that can go in and run routes. Uh, I maybe a bit uh, better than Brendan O'Leary. I think it's mostly just the position they play. O'Leary is more of the the wide out, and Amble's more of the slot guy compared to someone like Janarian Grant that maybe you want to save for the return game because you know if he gets hurt, you just you can't afford to lose him nope. in the return game. Or someone like Greg McRae who can be versatile as well. But if Amble's can get up to speed, and the fact that you pick him up on a Tuesday of a bye week gives you a lot of time to help him install the offense. Not like Josh Dobbs coming in off the bench to win the Vikings game on Sunday where he <laughs> didn't really know anything. It was just out there playing street ball and they got the job done. I think you give him an opportunity to get to know this offense. But again, he might make a couple plays. The Bombers winning Saturdays because of the guys that have helped them get to this point. Agreed. There's, there's a, there, the, yeah, I'm going to jump there's... in though because I, I agree with you, Christian. Yeah. There's a however for me because I think that the the success of any one of the receivers is a direct result of teams having to account for the other guys that don't catch the ball on that play. Sorry, DT, go ahead. I, I was going to say Christian made a real good point there about Ambles versus uh, a guy like O'Leary Orange. If, if you want to put Brendan O'Leary Orange into the starting lineup, you have, you end up having to move multiple bodies to different spots than we're used to, to seeing them this season, right? You put him out at that wide side wide receiver. Well, now you've got to move uh, – you, you have to move Drew Wolitarski. Do you move him inside? Do you move him to receiver on the near side? If you do that, where does Kenny Lawler go? Markeith Ambles is a guy, uh, you know, multiple great cup champion with different teams. 80% of his targets in his in his career have come from the slot. So you go, you know what? We can just plop that guy right in where we use Dalton Schoen and everybody else can play. The other four can play their natural, you know, positions that they, that they are when we go three receivers by two receivers and we don't really have to worry about, about it. So that, that to me is, is significant value, just that everybody else can do what they've been doing all season long and we don't have to make three changes to make one change. So, I, I think that's that's a big part. O'Leary Orange can still be on the roster. You can make a decision. Uh, I mean, Janarian Grant's going to be on the roster. Do you drop somebody to get Greg McRae on there as well? I don't think you do. It probably ends up being either or, and and you trust that you can get uh, you know McRae's value from some other spots. But yeah, uh, will or will they not go with with Ambles on the roster? Ends up being a real real intriguing question as Saturday approaches. Okay, so defense, we were talking about uh, the fact that the, the Blue Bombers obviously going to have their hands full with that BC receiving core. Ben Haladic, uh, Lions linebacker, uh, injured on Saturday against Calgary. If he can't go, is that a big deal, DT? Over 100 tackles. He's a real athletic dynamo. The The thing I would say is... They'll be a little worse in the in the linebacking core, but they've been kind of running three guys through those two linebacking spots this season. There are spots where it's been Halatic and Bola Combo at, at with him at the will, and there's been spots where Josh Woods comes in there, and Woods, a kid out of the UCLA, makes a ton of plays. So honestly, it would just it would just be okay. Well, now Woods is the starter, and someone takes you know 15 snaps in our other packages. So. 
it, it would hurt, but it's not by any means, a, I don't think, a, a critical hit to that defense or that linebacking core just with the way they've run their their guys all season long. Not the hit that it might be if uh, Matthew Betts wasn't in the lineup, Christian. Uh, Betts obviously was a thorn in the side of the Blue Bombers in particular in that first game of the season when BC comes in and, and you know really dominates the Blue Bombers, gave that offensive line all sorts of headaches. In fact, it had some people wondering if... If the rain as the best offensive line for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the best line in the league, maybe was coming to an end, in particular with their with their vaunted tackles. Uh, Bet's critical in your mind in terms of how this thing goes? Absolutely. I think we have saw the recipe for the Lions to beat this team is being able to harass Zach Kalaris. And it's just a, it's been such a difficult thing to do for teams because that offensive line has been so good at protecting him. And boy, that first game, 30-6, to six, was a wake-up call. And I think it may have been for the team because since then, I mean, the offensive line has done a really good job of protecting Kolaris. They ended up putting 50 on him the second time around. And this meeting in October in BC was a, a close call because Kolaris, in the red zone, twice fumbled the ball because of pressure from the BC Lions. And coverage down the field as well. It wasn't immediate plays that led to those fumbles it was he was in the pocket for a while and then the pressure got to him so the the ability of the lions pass rush to get to Kolaris could make or break this game for bc if they if they cannot hasten Kolaris, if he has his way i'm not sure there's a team that beats winnipeg right if Kolaris is able to be able to have the time to check down look at his reads three or four options Winnipeg's going to probably be you no matter who you are. So Matthew Betts being able to be a game wrecker, I think is a huge X factor for this BC Lions team. And on the other side, DT, how many times do we have to talk about that Blue Bomber defensive line, their ability to move guys in and out, but the stalwarts, the the bookends, Jefferson and Jeffcoat, Jackson Jeffcoat, maybe as healthy as he's been at this time of the year in several years. The fact that you know he's going to be ready to go, not only is he an asset in terms of the rush, we've seen him drop back in coverage. We've seen all sorts of different looks when Jeff Coat is involved. And you know how I feel. I feel that 94 makes five that much better. Yeah, for sure. And to me, I was just going over the the west final and i was just writing some notes as we we approached the the western the western final having looked at the western semifinal and i and i look at bc's tackles jarell broxton and kent perkins and i just watched them and in the last few weeks ago these guys have been very gettable like broxton uh, against calgary in the regular season game and here in the western semifinal struggling at that left tackle spot and then i've never been a kent perkins guy and he goes Okay, well, Willie and Jackson have to be salivating at the at the thought of this. What what was interesting in the in the week eighteen game was it wasn't really going in Willie and Jackson's favor kind of early in that game as as I think back on it. What would end up being uh, Richie had to kind of go into not exactly his bag of tricks, but he had to start bringing blitzers and pressure and pass rushers from other spots, and you go. Oh, there's Evan Holm on a pass rush. All right, let's see what it is. Oh, here comes Dietrich Nichols, just just to make them make their offensive line and their protection think about it. So if uh, if they're not going to go, you know, BC isn't going to use a ton of 
David Mackey, their fullback, or Javon Katoy, you know, as an inline tight end blocking option as opposed to leaking down the field option. Uh, there's there's going to be a chance, but yeah, if 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 Richie Hall can can find a way and get Jackson and and Willie just as a four man rush, that's just BC's done. BC's done at that point just because it's it's an exploitable part of the matchup, and it's it would be a real benefit to the Bombers to just be able to to get after it without having to go to anything fancy. We've seen the Blue Bombers. We saw it in particular in that in that matchup in Vancouver, that controlled rush that's so critical in terms of not overcommitting on Vernon Adams. And the Bombers were so good at that, of making sure that in a circumstance where maybe VA would normally run, he can't because there hasn't been any over-pursue uh, of the pocket. They have really kept that pocket intact and so how critical is it going to be that the Blue Bombers play that d- discipline style again on Saturday in terms of, oh boy, there's VA, I'm going to go get him. Oh, But I also know that it is VA and his escapability is uh, as good as anyone's, Christian. I think they've played enough rushing quarterbacks this year and we've seen them be successful, save for uh a 12-minute fugue state against Ottawa where Dustin Crum became superhuman for a little bit. They've been really good at containing Trey Ford. They've been, you know, Cody Fajardo hasn't really done much damage to them. And Chad Kelly, we didn't really get to see him play Chad Kelly, unfortunately. We might see it in uh, in just under two weeks. But what we saw against Vernon Adams in that game October 6th was three carries for 21 yards. They had seven yards a carry, and he had a 13-yard rush. But that's not that much, right? That Again, the rushing attack, when you go back and look at all these BC's box scores, you, you notice that yeah, they don't care about running the football at all. And Vernon Adams' legs weren't really a big part of that story. A bit more for their, their game against Calgary last week, but I think the Blue Bombers have been very good at, at being disciplined and, and keeping contained. There might be one or two moments on Saturday where Vernon Adams gets a, a bit of a rush, but I don't think we're going to see that hmm. end carry game for Vernon Adams. I think that that's a sign that something went wrong for Winnipeg or BC is a sudden change in offensive philosophy. So I reckon Winnipeg's going to be fine in that category and it won't be a big factor. One of my plays of the year, Adam Big Hill's play on Vernon Adams. He's uh, six feet or less, Derek Taylor, from perhaps changing the location of this Western final like that play by Adam Big Hill on that run by Vernon Adams. It's quality versus quantity and, and timing is everything in life uh, on two fronts on that play. It's uh, like I say, it's six feet, six inches from being a very different conversation this Saturday in my mind. Yeah. Second and 10 and Vernon scrambles out to his left and to the sideline and he reaches for the stick with Big Hill forces him out, like you say, six feet short, and then Dominic Davis can't convert on third and less than one. And you go, and that's, and you go, oh boy, that was, that was a pretty big play. And as you look back on that, that's, that's what, that's part of what makes this matchup super intriguing is BC Lions fans could legit be thinking, you know what, if we just got the proper spot on that, we win that football game. And I don't know about if I would agree with the word proper, but if they got a first down spot, they might well have won that football game and be hosting this this West Final. On the on the flip side, Bomber fans can be like, well, if we didn't turn it over twice in the red zone, we win that game handily. Also very true. So it's it's two teams that, that 
because of these things that we're talking about, very much feel like, yeah, this is this is a winnable game for my team. The size difference between the defensive backs of the Blue Bombers and the receivers of the Lions, I want to get uh, both your takes on that, starting with you, Derek. Hasn't been an issue, even though BC's tried to make it an issue every time they've played. Um, th- I mean, that said, they try to make it an issue with kind of everybody. In that in that last game in, in BC, oh, we're going to isolate this Jamal Parker and see what he can do in jump ball situations against six foot four receivers. And the answer was Parker's just fine. Like, he's not tall, but he does not care. And that's it's kind of endemic to the Bombers. These guys, we pick, they pick up guys, oh, you know what, these guys might not be big, but we don't care because they don't care. Dietrich Nichols will stick his nose in in the run game. And uh, there's, a, there's a dog having at it. You know, Jamal Parker, no problem with this jump ball situation. Evan Holmes, sub six feet. You remember the, the first game in week three, he was jumping with six foot five Justin McInnes and swatting the ball away multiple times. I don't see it being a particular issue, though BC is very aware of it and has tried to exploit it in, I think, every game against the Bombers this year. Christian? I just look at the stats from the times they've met, and it's not like the size has been the reason, I think, that the the Lions have been able to do anything. I, you look at what happened in October and, and what – the lines were able to do after halftime and it was not much, right? You, you, you take that 65 yard catch by Dom rhymes out of it. And there's another, what if, if he just goes down after 25 yards, they just kick a field goal. They win the football game, but the, the lions receivers were held in check by Winnipeg for the, pretty much the whole second half. Part of that was a, a better pass rush, but part of that was just coverage, right? Size wasn't uh, everything, right? If you high point the ball, sure. BC is going to have that advantage, but the Winnipeg DBs have, have shown all year. Most, most receivers are taller than the defensive backs. Uh, and I think we've seen that it hasn't really been a big factor. Maybe, you know, for BC, what we've seen from Winnipeg when they're vulnerable is, is in first halves, teams have been able to to take leads, go into halftime with leads. We saw it in October in this meeting too, but even at home for Winnipeg, they've been even or trailing at the half or you've been after 30 minutes of game time scratching your head of what what's going on here but the defense almost always rises to the occasion in the second half and that's across the board so i don't seeing it i don't see it being a a really big difference maker for bc they they, they just have talent beyond their size they're just they're good receivers right but i don't think the reason bc wins is because they're bigger i like that group that that group of defensive backs for the blue bombers nichols rose Houston, Holm, Brandon Alexander, they've really proven a lot to a lot of us this year. I just, guys, you know me. I am nervous as all can be heading into this game on Saturday. It's that recency bias thing. I'm a curling guy, and I always liked the idea of playing the extra game and not sitting around at a bond spiel when you've played two, sometimes three games a day for an entire week, and then your reward, in quotation marks, is to have a day off. And sometimes that comes back to bite you. And so that is always in the back of my mind, that recency bias, because I saw what BC did this past weekend and they frighten me, frighten me. Should I be frightened, Derek Taylor? Is this going to be, you know, a game that comes down to the last play or two? Um, you should not be frightened uh, just because 
we never get to test the opposite of of this thing that we fear, right? How would the Bombers have done last year if they had to play the Western final? Well, we'll never know. Or pardon me, the Western semifinal. Oh, we'll never know because they didn't have to, and we don't get to go back and sim it, sim it again in Madden, right? So you just kind of take what you what you get, and and just know that since the turn of the century, sixty-eight uh, percent of the teams that have gone to the Grey Cup have been the number one seed. So just just trust that that rust isn't a particular problem in this one. Is uh, they won the last two Western Finals at home, even though you know neither one of them looked looked tremendous. Uh, does it come down to the end? It's it opened at a four and a half point spread with the Bombers being the favorite. I think as we all kind of expected. I do, I don't know if I'm bold enough to say that this is a, a, a nine, ten, eleven point Blue Bomber win, but um, the Bombers at their best beat any other CFL team this season at their best, in my opinion, and I, I don't really have uh, a reason why. BC will come into this game, you know, in a better in a better place than the uh, the Bombers. Um, Fourteen wins in their last eighteen games is a pretty solid way to approach this. The most dominant running game in the CFL, uh, to me, the best quarterback in the Canadian Football League. Even if he didn't get, you know, as many snaps as some other guys to prove it. Number one scoring defense. Number one scoring offense. No questions about the kicking game this season. I, I'm not. I'm not at this moment. Can can I say it's a ten point bomber win? But I, I, I can absolutely see that being the case. Christian O'Mel, anything you want to add, refute, turn inside out what Derek Taylor just said? I'm on board with most of what he said. I don't. I don't see having a buy as being a burden. I, I think that that's that's a good thing. We've seen it for the Blue Bombers, and yes. That 21 West final where Derek was on the other microphone, we remember how sloppy Winnipeg was, but they still won the game. I, you just you can't afford to do that again. I think this BC team might be a bit better than that Rough Riders team was on offense for sure. But we also look at Vernon Adams Jr. and what is his playoff pedigree? He doesn't. It, 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 there's not much there. He hasn't had an opportunity to do a lot playing in Montreal for a number of years. But here's a big chance for him, right? This would be the biggest win of his career to go into Winnipeg and send BC to the Grey Cup. We know that. But I'm with Derek. I'm, I'm anticipating a game kind of like last year's game between these two teams in the West Final where Nathan Rourke wasn't 100%. I, I understand that. But the Bombers were up, and they end up winning by eight, something in that category where you maybe never, as a, if you're a fan like Greg is, never truly comfortable because when are you comfortable as a fan? When the final horn sounds and your team is one is when you're comfortable. But – one where you're, you know, in the second half, maybe you're not super, super sweating. You're up 10 to 15. It's never quite out of reach, but you're never like truly scared that BC is going to rally. So maybe something like last year's 28 to 20, whether it's like a 30 to, to 20 or a, a 25 to 17, something like that. But I think the Blue Bombers get back to the Grey Cup and then. And then who knows what happens. But I, I do think they win this football game. All right, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Until Cam Poitras says it on the Monday, two days later, 625 sports. Then I'll be comfortable with the outcome. If you want to know the genuine truth, until it's you know in the record book and then some, and there, there's you know, no opportunity for, for a challenge, something crazy to have, then, then I'm comfortable. I've, guys, I've lived this. 
many, many times with this football team. We are, you mentioned the golden age on your visit with us on the start on Monday, Derek, and this, this idea that what the Bombers did and from 58 until 62, going to four Grey Cups in five years, winning each time they went to the Grey Cup. Like, there'll be time to look back on this and to kind of take a deep breath and realize what we were witnessing. But I think there's a genuine appreciation in a, in a certain aspect, a certain group of Blue Bomber fans that have sort of lived this in the in the 80s and the early 90s with some disappointment with some success and then there'll be the old timers that are looking at this and going guys you are in the middle of of one of the great eras in blue bomber football and and just a win on saturday is just so huge not just for this year but historically as well derek yeah a hundred percent we'll always go back to the 50s and 60s but like the the earlier part of this century, where the Montreal Alouettes, uh, late 2000, or you know, just into the 2010s, going to multiple Grey Cups, just running the the East Division, the Calgary Stampeders at the late part of the tens went to one, two, three Grey Cups in a row before the Bombers spoiled the party in 2019. Uh, they were pretty good too. Like this, you just have to appreciate it for what it is, even though we don't we don't have the we don't have the complete picture we don't have the historical context necessarily for we could all be sitting here 10 years from now going man remember how good that was they went to blank in a row and they won blank and zach kalaris blank the blank like it's it's just the story's not not done yet and uh this would be another one there's just it's uh yeah it's just it's so exciting and it's it's nice to me that there's maybe a little nervousness about this game. It's not one where you go, that 2021 game, yeah, six turnovers, but they're fine, right? This one is much, I feel like there's much less certainty. At least in myself, I go, well, what about this? What about this? There's there's at least some nervousness. You know you're alive when you, when, when you have that nervous feeling going into a game. Yeah, the list of whatabouts, I think, is a lot longer uh, than it was against uh, Saskatchewan uh, two years ago. And even last year, the what-if really was, is Nathan Rourke healthy? And it was very early that we realized he was not completely healthy as you pointed out Christian and and that was a big difference he was overthrowing passes and short short shirting uh, passes all over the place it was not the Nathan Rourke who was in the conversation for most outstanding player last year gentlemen thank you for this uh, it doesn't matter how many times I listen to your calming soothing salient points about what to expect on Saturday. I am nervous as all hack about this game. And as you pointed out, DT, I'm not sure many of us would want it any other way. Thanks fellas. Can I, can I throw one calming point at you before we all go? Please. Are you going to play therapist or are you going to bring numbers at me? You're going to bring math mathematics into this or, or are you bringing in some psychology here? Very, very simple numbers. Um, people are raving at the BC Lions offense this past week. Vernon threw for 400-plus. He has three of the top five passing games in the CFL this season. They scored 41. Oh, my gosh, that's unbelievable. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have the five highest-scoring games in the CFL this year. Mm-hmm. Five. One, two, three, four, five. Toronto also has a 45-point game to tie for fifth. But as, as good as the BC Lions offense has been, the Bombers have been better than that five times this year. 
So I come into that. And oh, by the way, they have the number one scoring defense as well. So as as much as you know, there's this feeling I can't necessarily kick. It should bomber fans should be very should be calm about this. Going, you know what? Actually, yeah, this team is really, really, really good. Even if it doesn't feel like the defense of 2021 or the 15 and three record of 2022. It's it's really good. The offense better than last year. The defense, no, as I mentioned, number one. Very calm. Things should be uh, in advance of this game. And I say that maybe uh, maybe G Mac as, as some psychology to keep myself in this one. Going oh, but what about what, what if Keon Hatcher goes for two hundred? Oh my gosh. Uh, very calm. We all should be. Dare we ask the Minnesota Vikings fan amongst us? <laughs> feel better about a team that really should be moving on to the next step in this journey this year. Um, You're a lot younger than I am, Christian, and I got a long list of examples about your team uh, falling down when they should have been sprinting across the finish line in first place, buddy. Yeah, there there are differences between the NFL and CFL. You know, nine teams, eight teams, however many the the league has had, and the NFL's got 32. So it's just it's harder to make the Super Bowl than it is the Great Cup. But having said that, yeah, the Vikings have always fallen on their face, and the the Blue Bombers were kind of that until 2019, and they got out of that after that thir- near 30 year rut. I think for the Blue Bomber fans. Part of why I think people feel a little bit more uneasy, even though they went 14 and four this year, which is really good, it's just the hot, super high standard this team has set for itself and the expectations of its fans, seeing how good they have been since Zach Kolaris arrived here. And I think having maybe a little bit more on edgeness as a fan is maybe allows you to appreciate if they end up winning it all appreciating it a bit more and feeling less inevitable but also i think we we do need to once in a while stop and realize that i think these are the good old days we're living in right now for the winnipeg blue bombers and it will end at some point absolutely but right now this is awesome and your team is super good and has been for a while they're the gold standard of the cfl and that's really cool and as a Minnesota Vikings fan, it would be awesome to be able to say that at one point they were like the class of the NFL and just couldn't quite get over the line. And that was 50 years ago. So things change <laughs> over time. They're bad now. Josh Dobbs is their quarterback, but Zach Kolaris is the best quarterback in the CFL. Brady Oliver is the best running back in the CFL. You got three offensive linemen on the West All-Star team. You got 11 All-Stars on the West All-Star team. This team should beat the BC Lions on Saturday, and then if they go to the Great Cup, well, then we can talk about that next week. But they are favored. That place is going to be rocking. Yeah, they're, they, you know, the Bombers might make some mistakes, but I think they're good enough to overcome them. And overall, I think uh, I'll be on the sideline there. I'll be bundled up, and I will be uh, leaving a jubilant stadium around uh, 8. Well, I'm not going to be leaving because I'll be joining you all in the postgame show, but at least coming upstairs into the warmth of the booth <sighs> around 8.30, surrounded by uh, happy people. All right, fine. I, I, you'll forgive me in advance if I'm the I'm the quote-unquote voice of reason on Saturday Go afternoon. Ahead. Getting underway at 3 o'clock, DT. What's what's in the hopper, bud? Oh, my gosh. We'll, uh, we're going to play uh, some uh, – well, actually, first up, special guests. Uh, Bob Irving going to join us for the entire pregame show. A uh, man who can uh, tell us everything that, w- that we'll need to know, put everything into context. We're, we're going to tell you, is Dalton Schoen ready to play? Is Rasheed Bailey ready to play? They're 
for the first time, I think, since Kyrie Wilson came back from, from his injury, there's injury questions about the Bombers going into a game and ones that could have a pretty big impact. So we'll talk about that. Uh, the weather's going to be a, a nice factor. This is the two top, you know, the two top quarterbacks in the West going out of the two top teams. It's a rematch of last year. We'll hear from BC Lions owner Amar Doman, a guy who I think needs a lot of love for what he's doing with this BC Lions team. And uh, yeah, two and a half hours of, of breakdown. GMAC, uh, you'll be in there. Uh, it's going to be Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's it's the last one. It's our last broadcast of the year, so it's going to be good. Plus, top 10 plays of the year, uh, number one will not surprise people at all. <laughs> That's okay. We uh, will be listening anyway, and uh, can't wait to see you guys down at IG Field. Uh, we hope to be in the tailgate area. Come on by. Say hello. Let's get excited. Let's get loud. Uh, you'll have to cheer on my behalf. Although I'll be wanting to get as loud as possible, but I will keep it in check, fellas. Appreciate this immensely. Thank you for talking me off the ledge, at least for now. Thanks, brother. Our pleasure. The crowd at IG Field is ready. Sergio is ready. And we are underway. Across the middle, caught. Whacked is shown at midfield, but he holds on to the football in rider territory. Tremendous catch from Dalton shown to end the third quarter. And the Bombers defense, four-man rush pressure from Jeff Coat again. Tipped it in the air and incomplete. He's got extra words for Stevens, and it'll be a turnover on downs. Jackson Jeff Coat is back, everybody. Oliveira in the backfield, little run blitz. Oliveira hits the hole, 25, 30 blockers in front, 35, drops his head, and he's almost to the 40-yard line. There's the Brady Brand football and a Blue Bombers first down. Oh, what a massive run by Brady Oliveira to start off this drive. Bacon to Oliveira, going to the end zone for Dembski! He's got it for the touchdown! Nick Dembski, touchdown! From IG Field, Winnipeg 50. BC 14. <laughs> He's going to drop back on first and 10, and he wants to whip it downfield. The deep out route. Is that picked off by Evan Holm? It is! He stepped in front of Kyron Moore, and Evan Holm, who talked earlier in the season about, I would love to turn all these knockdowns into turnovers, has turned the tide of this game on the final play of the third quarter. Brown's got to get into a motion, uh, rhythm here. He's got to get Kenny Lawler more involved. Brown wants the end zone. He's going to throw it up. For Lawler, did he one-hand that in the back? Oh, my goodness! Kenny Lawler quarter. The defender is all over him, eating up his right arm. Lawler just sticks out his left hand and makes an unbelievable catch. And the Bombers have a one-point lead. First and ten. Throws it. Picked up! Touchdown coming! Demario Houston read it like a book and he scores! Finally, with the wind! <laughs> Finally, an explosive play. And if he can't score offensively, he might as well do it with a pick six. Oh my goodness, Demario Houston like a book. He just took off sprinting and took it to the house. The ball is at the 17 yard line. It is just inside the soccer penalty area. They need the 18-and-a-half-yard line. Dakota Prukop under center. Third down. Prukop right side pushing forward. He's got it easily. Easy conversion. And it's a first down for the Bombers with 56 seconds Ooh. to go. Mike O'Shea risks it for the biscuit. 13 seconds left. First and goal from the eight. Kalaris looking left. Who's going to get it? It's shown inside the five. Colton's shown again. 
41 and three touchdowns from Dalton Schoen. Oliveira motions back into the backfield. Kalara straight drop. Dumps it off. It's, it's Oliveira stiff arming, keeping his feet for the touchdown. Should have been dropped at the three, but Brady will not be stopped. What a time to make a play. Stay on side. Davis sneaks. He pounds forward. That was a nice job by the Bombers. I don't know if he got it. And Big Hill's got it. He's racing off the field. The Bombers got the third down stop, they think. They'll bring on the sticks to confirm it. Oh, boy. Where is the spot? Everybody get out of my way. I got to see the spot. And it's a turnover on downs. Wow. The Bombers deny Dominique Davis on the quarterback sneak. This is, this is crazy. What well, an ending to yeah. this game. To the greatest football game ever played. First and 10 Lions from their own 40. Four-man rush. Adams gunning high and tipped up. Rhymes has it, 45, and he's running 30. Broke the tackle. Dominic Rhymes down inside the 10. Zero's on the clock. Zero's on the clock. And we're going to overtime as the Bombers. Game-saving tackle. They'll give it to Oliveira. Dancing, pushing forward. Find Brady Oliveira for the touchdown. Brady Oliveira puts the Bombers up 32 to 26 as the seas parted for Winnipeg's finest. Play action roll to the right in the flat for Lawler in for the two-point convert. Bombers 34, Lions 26, and it's on the Bombers defense to hold this one down, Doug Brown. Three-man rush from the Bombers. Adams lofts it up for Dominic Grimes on Parker. Jump ball, hole broken up! And the Bombers win! And the Bombers will win the CFL's West Division! They were down 10 with under three to go. And you can hear Bomber fans here in BC. I don't believe what we just saw in the biggest football game in the CFL in half a decade. First offensive play will be from their own 36 yard line. First and 10, two receivers to each side. Trey Ford on a roll to his right. Big Hill in his face. Bumble balls on the ground. Big Hill's got it, 20, 15. Big Hill's going to the end zone for the touchdown. Stripped it away. That's how you contain a running quarterback with the score touchdown. The Bombers now 30 and three at home in the last, what is that, five seasons. Thanks to a 45-25 win over the Edmonton Elks, a dynamic second half performance, a chance to rest some of their stars, and a win, redoubling on the fact that they have won the West Division and they will host the West Final. So that's it. Don't forget to download, subscribe, and share the Blue Bomber podcast. And also, in case you didn't already know, Monday night's Coaches Show with Derek Taylor and Mike O'Shea will be automatically uploaded to the Blue Bomber podcast. So if you want to catch a rerun of that or catch it and listen to it at your leisure, you can do so by subscribing to the Blue Bomber podcast. We will recap this week's game next week and look ahead in the Canadian Football League, focusing on, of course, your Winnipeg Blue Bombers Thank you for spending some time with us.